BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And today's guest is Dale Keynes. Dale is a process expert, I guess is what I would say. He's he's very, very good on process and he's good on strategy. He has Future Now Consulting and he is out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So it's a Canuck. Excellent. Yeah, we like the Canadians though. Yes, we don't we do. like what's happening in Canada, but we like the Canadians. I don't even know what's going on in Canada right now. Oh, that's because mainstream media is not reporting it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I saw something about the Canadian dollar, the loonie. Um, is that what it's called? It's called the loonie. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun. It's a fun currency. Um, so there's some sort of issue going on with that, but I didn't really bother reading into it. So doesn't Canada have? Um, you might need um, earmuffs for the kids for this for this next couple of minutes, but um, doesn't Canada has like a coin as a dollar, right? Uh, I, I guess. I mean, that's like their dollar pr- bill isn't a bill; it's a coin. I I don't know. I mean, that makes I, I, I sure. I mean, like, I like like the euro, the the single euro is a coin. Yeah, yeah. How how does that impact strip clubs? Make it hail. Um, <laughs> Make it hail. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Clearly you've had this conversation <laughs> yes, before. <laughs> I um, I, I actually have had this conversation and I wish I could remember the answer. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing. There's just no tucking the coins into anything because there's... There's a coin slot, though. Like they're kind of, <laughs> yes, there is. Um, but I can't believe I just said I that. I know. And I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know either. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Dale's going to have the answer for us, but I'm sure we could track that down. One of our <laughs> listeners in Canada can probably send us the answer. Um, I can't stop laughing at this. Let's get back to talking about process because I feel like you take that much more seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, or critical thinking. I kind of want to thinking. go there. I, I think that we should go into critical thinking. Let's do it. And um, the ability to hold opposing viewpoints in your head. Because mm. that is something that a lot of people these days are lacking. The ability... <laughs> to make a decision that goes against or hold an opinion that goes against like the core of their beliefs because we're just in this world where you're like it's it's black or white you you're on this side or you're on that side you you believe in this or you don't believe in that there's no middle ground there's no ability to pick or choose you like if you think this one way you are it's assumed that you think the, that way, you know, you're you're in alignment with everything across the board. When I think that there are a lot of people out there who don't feel that way. That there's there's an ability to pick or choose, but there's fear of 
of getting labeled one way or the other. So you just kind of fall in line. And I really wish I had paid attention more in like my psychology and sociology classes. Cause Wait, you had a psychology class? Yeah, that's like that that BS core curriculum curriculum that you have to take when you're in college. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And terms or studies or I, I can't remember what, what they are, but basically th- there's th- there's a, a lot of information out there where people will believe things that go against what like their core values are or their uh-huh. core beliefs are simply because they don't want to be like an outsider. They don't want to be left out of the group. So if, if let's say we have a group of a hundred people and we convince 99 of them that the sky is red when it's clearly blue that 99 that hundredth person is probably going to agree that the sky is red because they don't want to be an outsider and and be the the weird one that's like no actually the sky is blue guys um it's it's some sort of phenomenon or whatever i don't know but uh it, it's it's interesting and it's sad because it, people would much rather be accepted as a part of a group than be correct yeah i also think it's very um telling because so many people um, they don't even want to engage in conversations that don't align with what they're thinking. So bringing it back to business a little bit, like why is critical thinking so important as an entrepreneur? Well, it's just keeping, I guess, keeping an open mind. Like if you get, if you have the blinders on and if you're so set on setting your ways and a hundred percent believe that what you're doing is correct and accurate and the best, you're never going to, you're not, you're not going to be able to change or adapt or react quickly to an environment that you're in that could be just leaving you behind. And people are out there, uh, they're, I know I'm correct. This is the thing. Like I, I, I was, I was a partner in a coffee shop and the idea was that I, we're going to have uh, local and organic and responsibly sourced and uh, all of these things that food and products should be, but realistically it's not, not viable. Like it's not sustainable or at least at that time it wasn't because they were too expensive to not only provide the product and the service, but make a profit. Yeah. And my business partner at the time had a hard time conceding that the business model wasn't sustainable. It's like, we're going to press ahead no matter the cost where we need to step back and say, okay, we need to make some concessions. We're going to try to do the right thing, but we're not always going to be able to do the right thing. And that's okay. Yeah. I, I think that that ability to, that that's a really good example, Corey. And I think the, Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. The, that ability to to think critically, to look at at a problem or a situation, because maybe you don't even recognize that it's a problem, right? But to be able to look at a situation and know that you've got to be able to think, like the same thinking and the same actions that got you into the situation are probably not getting you out of it, right? So you've got to look at it differently and you have to be able to know what your you know what what options are out there and you've got to you've got to think in a critical nature right and i i think it's a skill set that a lot of people are missing um especially in today's day and age it's much easier to just take the easy way out or 
to, in, in many instances, stay in your echo chamber and, and just use that same thinking. So crit- critical thinking is a skill that's lacking in our country. And I was just going to say something about that echo chamber that that does nobody any service when people are constantly patting you on the back and telling you that you're right and everything you're doing is awesome. And there's it's not your fault. It's the world's fault. You're not doing anybody a favor. You're not helping that business owner. You're not helping that individual. You're not helping society. Right. You know, you need you need pushback. You need to be challenged. Yep. The, the only way we get stronger physically and mentally is to be challenged is to push ourselves exactly so you have to be able to analyze information and you know much the same way as you build resiliency by going through hard things you become a better at critical thinking by actually critically thinking all right let's take a break and learn about certivium and then when we come back we'll have dale With so many things competing for our attention these days, efficiently acquiring and retaining customers is critical for small businesses. And that's why we launched Certivium, the newest business from the SB Pace team. Certivium is a business created specifically for entrepreneurs who need a hand with customer service, customer engagement, and social media management. We are an affordable option that any small business looking to grow needs to help maintain the most important part of their business, their customers. Find out if Certivium is right for your business at certivium.com. All right, everybody, now that you are educated on Certivium, let's dive into conversation with our guest, Dale Keynes. Welcome to the show, Dale. Hey, Julie. Thanks for the invite. Of course. Looking forward to this. Yeah. Corey's probably more excited about it than I am because y'all are like process nerds and I'm just sort of the, I'm the rebel, but I'm pretty sure I can, he just gave me a look like I'm not a rebel. Yeah, you're not a rebel. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> in my well, head I, in my head i'm a rebel you guys well uh, with us process guys there's a lot of there's a lot of hamsters rolling up in the brain so we might need to be uh reeled back in every once in a while sure julie claims that she doesn't like process doesn't know anything about process but she probably talks not doesn't she mentions it more often than i do she'll bring it up and be like oh it's Corey's favorite topic i'm gonna talk about process again and then passes it over to me to actually talk about process but you bring it up more often than i do I do you know why i bring it up because i don't talk that often no which isn't true <laughs> no i bring it up because i think if i mention process that it'll make you happy and i like happy Corey. <laughs> oh that's why you bring it up yes <laughs> Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Um, I guess first, Dale, if you wouldn't mind, give us uh, just a very quick overview of, of who you are, what you do, and, and why you're an expert to to talk about process. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Dale Keynes, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, I have been, I guess I worked as a you know career as an employee for 15 years before I, I started my entrepreneurial journey. I've got an engineering diploma. I've got project management certificates. I think I'm up to number four or something by now. And I finished an MBA three years ago. So that's the educational background. Um, I've been part of, I was an employee at one company that that we grew massively. Uh, we were one city and about 10 employees. And when I left, we were six cities and about 150 employees. And then I've been part of, uh, I was part of another construction company that I lasted for two years, which was a journey in itself. And I started this company that I do now for the past five years, where I work with small, small, medium-sized businesses on systems and processes. Currently, I have three to four private clients. I've taken an equity position in three businesses, plus I have, plus I have my own. So, yeah. Nice. Well, I'm 
I'm happy to hear that we've got another MBA on the call. Just another to... thing that you like to mention more often than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that's an impressive, uh, impressive background. It is. Yeah, I, I have a chuckle when everybody, uh, you know, I see online when people bring up the, you know, the debate about whether it makes sense to go to school or not, right? Uh, you know, whether you can learn it outside of school, uh, that all depends on the person. You know, that, that's my motto that I've always brought up is that you decide on what you want and then you make the decision to move forward and then, and then accept whatever comes after that, right? Just know what you're going in for. Don't go in, don't go in blindly. I took an MBA based on a, on a need at that time. If I was where I am today with the networking and stuff like that I, that I've done, would I take an MBA again? Not entirely sure. I, th I think I would have had enough resources around me to to get what I needed out of that I got out of an MBA. So yeah, I completely agree. I, I spent twenty thousand dollars a letter for you know to have a little uh, three letters after my name, and uh, in hindsight, it was probably not the best decision that I made. The networking I had out of that I got like from the program was probably the most beneficial aspect of the program, but I didn't, I can't say that I actually learned that much. And there's quite a bit of just training, just life in general that you learn on the job, you learn doing it. And like, it's helpful. Like for me, I, I decided I wouldn't wanted to get my MBA cause it was going to help my corporate career. And then like six months later, I was like, oh, I'm done with corporate. I want to start my own business. So <laughs> huge waste of time there. Also, you, you know, I've never once seen you put MBA behind your name. Oh no, I've never done it. <laughs> no. And I, and I do the same thing. I mean, you'll never very rarely will you, I shouldn't say never, but very rarely will you ever see me with my designations behind my name. I think I got five of them now. But I'll never, I'll never put it behind my name because that's not what is, that's not what's important. I took it for my own personal benefit, and the one thing the MBA did, you know, kind of solidify for me because I didn't have a lot of business like financial experience before I took the MBA, and that's why, that's why I kind of took it to be a little bit more structured. And what the biggest thing that the MBA brought forward for me that you know I, I saved my clients a lot of time on is that, you know, we all go through the same struggles. It doesn't matter what size company you're at. I mean, when I went through it, I was, you know, I was probably the smallest, uh, you know, of corporations at that time. I think there was about 15 of us at the time in my company when I started my MBA and we were, you know, we were going through classes with people in Deloitte and IBM and, you know, some massive, massive companies, but we all had the exact same struggle, just the gross revenue number changed. Right. So it's, it was, it was quite a eye opener that, you know, I always thought business was this big elaborate thing where everyone's confused and what do I do next and that kind of thing. And it just, the MBA just taught me that it doesn't matter your size. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, I, I, I did the financial side of things, the finance and the accounting, well, not the accounting so much, but the finance part we had uh, was pretty much a running theme throughout my MBA. I did learn quite a bit from finance, but outside of that, it was you know, kind of a joke. Yeah. Well, I, you <laughs> yes. learned enough to actually be of great service to our clients on the financial side. And, um, but I want to address something, something else that you just said, Dale, where you were talking about, you know, you're in this MBA program with people from Deloitte and from these other big companies and small companies, and everybody's having the same, you know, everybody's going through the same situations or same problems and whatnot. It's just a matter of scale because of their revenue. And I think that's one of the things that social media 
has done to entrepreneurs, has done a disservice for entrepreneurs is people tend to only display their highlight reel. And so when you are a new entrepreneur and if you are struggling and you're not part of like a really strong networking group and you don't have, you know, the fortitude to express some vulnerability when you're really struggling, it can really be you know, morally, like our, it can be demoralizing because you are just, you feel like you're going through it alone. And the reality is everybody goes through those problems when they're starting businesses. And it's just a matter of scale. And it's a matter of like how long, but everybody feels those same pains where you struggle from time to time to get clients or you have a client that fires you or something. And but social media manages to make it look like you're the only one who's ever had a problem in your business. And it, that's tough for entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, not the, I, I try not as I go through this journey, you know, through my business journey, I'm five years in now. And, you know, when I left my last employee job, I mean, I was $40,000 in debt when I started this entrepreneurial journey. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I, I try not to sugarcoat anything and, you know, I'm trying to get a little bit more active on social media to kind of show that. Unfortunately, for myself at the moment, I, I typically spend a little bit more too much time on the pessimistic side. So I'm trying to change that in 2022 because I'm, I'm always in the system and structure system and structure process, trying to get people to be more proactive than reactive. So, uh, yeah, the entrepreneurial journey is is not not for the faint of heart. There's no doubt about that. I want to go back to the topic that we had um, that we were talking about right before you joined. And that's just kind of that critical thinking and uh, viewing your business. I guess uh, we didn't really talk about this, but the the whole thing with process is viewing your business with kind of an unbiased lens, like removing all the bias, the emotion, the personal stakes, that the, the personal attachment to the business and just viewing it logically, really. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people have a hard time doing because they want so badly for the business to be successful. They want this product or this service to be the best, and they're going to overlook things that, that uh, data points that tell them the, the contrary or things that they can do to improve whatever it is that they're doing because they just feel that they're in their, their heart, their emotion. And there's something to say for gut instinct, but they just feel, feel, not think that this is a good idea. I spent the first 10 years of my employee career working in engineering and where one of my biggest mentors was at that time. Um, he found, you know, he, he understood how to read personalities and he put me in a position where I had to basically sit between the contractor and the engineering department. So I got to sit in the middle and I had no other choice but to understand both sides. So again, it goes back to your critical thinking discussion that there's, you know, there's always two sides to a story and what you believe, what you need, what you want, you know, however, which way you want to slice this thing, but you have to spend enough time understanding both sides. And I mean, we're looking at that through a political lens right now, trying to, trying to decipher both sides. So don't get stuck on one belief because it, it may not be the one that leads you to where you're going. And so Julie and I had the experience or the, the, the we worked on a team that was the business side of IT implementations, basically. And we, we were advocates for the business. So we were definitely biased in terms of making sure that the business could run. And we, but we were working directly with the IT team to implement 
technology implement processes and that type of stuff. And that was always in, let's just say an interesting conversation, heated debates, arguments where the IT team, the leadership wanted to basically just, just ram technology down the throats of the business and just like you are going to implement this you're going to adapt adopt this this is going to be the future and we had to push back and say no you're going to break the business you're going to break the you're going to break your your meal ticket you're yeah. like we're not going to be able to function and pay your salary if this happens and having to explain that to them in a way that made sense like because we had to justify everything they could just say this is what's going to happen and they didn't have to justify shit. We had to go through and like write business cases and, and, and create facts and figures and numbers and explain if this happens, this is going to be the impact to the business. And that was always kind of frustrating. But, you know, we definitely got emotional when it came to to that because it's like I, I'm the per when something breaks, they're not calling you because they're not even allowed to. They're calling me. Right. And so that was always frustrating. It was always the conversation of. This, you know, they would consider it to be an IT project. And we would say this is a business project with IT elements because the key was the business had to be running as well as it was before the changes were rolled in. And IT didn't really care about that. What they cared about was do the technical systems work, not the surrounding processes and can the business do their job. Sure. So what you're what you're I guess what you're trying to say then is that business as an accounting, like let's go from a numbers perspective, they're always trying to balance everything to zero, right? Yep. So if IT is trying to ram something down your throat, they're doing it based on their best analysis and experience, saying that this is going to work and we're gonna have to find the numbers to make it work. Is that what you're explaining? No, they like they, they. I don't think that they did much analysis on their end. Somebody just saw a shiny new program and they got sold on it. <laughs> and they said, "We're going to implement this." And we had to push back and say, "These are the reasons why we shouldn't." Or here are the things that you have to change in order for this to be successful. So they were they were providing no business case, so to speak, in terms of their analysis and their research and trying to explain why they believe this is going to work versus yours. No, their business case was we already spent the money, so figure it out. <laughs> that's that's sadly that's a true story. <laughs> God, I, that, I'm not surprised. I mean, not well, I mean nothing in business surprises me anymore. But uh, well, I'm I shouldn't say nothing because I'm sure I'll hit something. But uh, yeah, at this point in my life, nothing surprises me when when something comes up. And I, you know, for any entrepreneurs that are starting out there, that's that's the biggest thing is don't don't think that that big thing that just happened to you, whether it's positive or negative, is is going to last that way forever. You know, your your wins in entrepreneurship are going to come from the systems and the structure that you build behind you. And the biggest word that I can think of right now when it comes to that is benchmarking, right? Find a way to benchmark where you are now so that you know where you're going or you know how much you've fallen or whichever whichever way you're you're going at the moment. But the biggest word I can use is benchmark. That's, you know, that that provides data and it lets you know how far you're going. And I just want to say to everybody out there listening that you were in no way, shape, or form prompted to say that because I love talking about benchmarks. And that's... Well, how can you not? How can you not be <laughs> like, it's just like, oh God, it it's numbers, right? Don't like, and so the other piece, I mean, when you go to benchmarking, the other thing that I run off of a lot is percentages, right? So run your business off a percentage. Don't run it off some vast number. Like a lot of people will say, oh, I made $5 million this year. Well, that's great. But what, what did you make in a percentage? 
well, it doesn't matter. I made $5 million this year. Yeah, but you might have only profited $5,000, right? So don't be so excited because you made it to $5 million a year. I know guys that are making more profit at $2 million a year than they were at 10. Yep. So it's just, you know, run your life off a percentage. Don't run it off a number. The number trips up too many people. And that's where that benchmark helps out the most. And uh, the podcast uh, that we were talking, well, we were supposed to have a guest on who is a coach or consultant, and he claimed, and I would love to get your, like, hear your opinion on this, but his claim was that he um, works with businesses to double their revenue and make them 30% more courageous. <laughs> yes, please tell us how you measure courage, Dale. <laughs> 30% more courageous because you doubled your revenue? You're not, you're seriously, right? He, That's he, not, he, do, he does both. He doubles your revenue and makes you 30% more courageous. I don't know if they're, how they're tied together. They might be two separate things. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, how, how are you tying those together? Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, you're going to hit, you. I mean, you know, this, this comment's come up a lot, but you're going to, you're going to hit different peaks and valleys as you go through business. It doesn't matter if it's 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, 50 million. It doesn't matter. You're going to hit peaks and valleys and, and it's how you have developed the team around you and trained them to be prepared for those peaks and valleys. Um, that, you know, that that's, and again, I'd never want to get stuck on the gross revenue number. I think that's a warm and fuzzy kind of idea that, you know, you're concentrating on that GR, but never like look at the percentage and look at the percentage of what your staff are doing. Again, Corey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to umbrella this whole thing underneath a benchmark, right? But benchmark means a lot of different things. It means staff, it means business, you know, it, it could go on and on and on. So yeah, without, without dragging it out too much talking about that. <laughs> I was just helping a friend over the weekend who was um, working on a, a proposal for a, you know, prospective client and he had called me to ask me if I could help with the proposal. And so we were kind of talking through things and it was for sales training, right? So this is some coaching and consulting on the sales side. And he had, you know, numbers of, you know, the last six months, this is how many calls they've taken. This is their close percentage or whatever. And he had like both in-person and virtual numbers. And he was like, you know, I figured out, you know, if their average sale is X and, and they had, you know, they only closed like 25%, you know, in person or whatever. If And, and he kind of does this math and he's like, if they would have closed 100% of their sales, they would have made, you know, like 5 million extra dollars. And I was like, I well, that number is useless for a client. And he's like, why? And I was like, because I don't know anybody who closes at 100%. And so I'm like, you could, you really should look at, you know, set a target for, like, look, if you want to close at, be closing at 50% instead of 25%, then you've got the delta between the two, right? And I said, but you also right. need to show them what if you only increase by 5%. And I said, because that 5%, it's a lot easier to actually explain and show them realistically what their ROI is going to probably be for hiring you for, you know, six months to come in and do work. And let's say that, you know, then they're going to make an extra 200 k they might make more than that, but like, you know, people want to go so big with the numbers to look so impressive, but it's like, that's not realistic. Like give them something that's founded in reality so that they can actually be like, oh, okay. And they don't feel ripped off and want their money back when they're done working with you. Yeah. I mean, so prime examples, but you know, when I went my first three years in business, I grew a hundred percent every year, right? 
And now because of, you know, what's going on in the world, I mean, I've, I've flatlined at, at that year three. Um, so, but what people, I mean, that, that's the beginning of entrepreneurship. Obviously there's typically, if you're half decent at what you do, there's going to be a bit of a uptrend right away. Uh, but I think you're bang on. I think what people miss is that 10% doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot. That's a lot of work to put in just to increase by 10%. Yeah. Right. You know, on a, on a small scale. Uh, there are companies that are doing 100 200% a year, but I mean, they got a big engine that they're building, right? So if you look at public companies as an example, I mean, they're looking for a 10 to 15% increase on their company every year. And typically they have to go buy another company in order to do that. So it's just, yeah, I mean, 10 to 15% is, is quite a bit. And I don't think you're right. People don't understand the amount of work that goes into achieving that. And back to your percentages comment earlier, the you can increase your revenue all day long, but if you're not keeping your fixed expenses fixed and your variable expenses variable within reason, like if you're not tracking those and keeping your cost of goods or your payroll or any of those those variable expenses at that correct percentage, your profitability could just be just be garbage. You could yeah, I could double my revenue next year, but I'm going to still. I need twice the work for the same amount of money because my I wasn't focusing on making sure the percentages were correct. Somebody remind me of the uh, singer "More Money, More Problems." What's well, well, I can't remember <laughs> the name of the singer, but that's that's my I'm dating myself now, but that's the song that keeps coming up in my head, right? So uh, yeah, just because the revenue doesn't come up, you're right, Corey, doesn't mean that expenses stays the same. So yeah, all right. Well, we need to start wrapping up. This was a very enjoyable conversation. Um, so especially when we talked about benchmarking, did you see how excited Corey got when that came up? And Julie just tuned out the conversation. I stopped listening. <laughs> I haven't been listening since then, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, Dale, can you, uh, is first off, is there anything that we can do for you? Uh, no, nothing to do for me. Uh, I've got a website. That's probably the best place to go. I'm, I've got a digital company working on that right now. Um, they're, they're trying to help me out with the SEO side because I'm, I'm doing a lot more writing now. So I, I figure that's the best place for people to go and it's future And then you can link up with me wherever you want after that. So. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciated having you and thank you to our listeners for tuning in and for making us the 18th most popular podcast in small business in the universe not just the country, the universe. Everything you want to know about this show is in the show notes. And if you want to work with us, if you want to connect with us on our social media, if you want to check out our free content, or uh, if you just want to say hello, you can reach out to us on our website, sbpace.com. Everything that you need to know about us is on that website. Yeah, and hey, we have a radio show. It's called, nope, that's the name of our book. (laughs) I almost gave the name of our book. Our radio show is called Defeat the Chaos, and it's on the Voice America Business channel every thursday at 9 a.m eastern and you can catch the shows on replay at any point we also would love it if you downloaded and rated our podcast subscribe to it give us a review five stars would be amazing but we'll really take anything and reach out about any topics on our if you're interested you can head on over to the website I also forgot to talk about our other business, Certivium. I do that often. Yes, Forget about do. Certivium. Yeah, yeah, check out Certivium. You can find a link on our website or you can go to certivium.com uh, if you're looking for customer service, social media help, all of that fun stuff. And while you're on our website, 
make sure to click on that link and head on over to Amazon to buy our book. Seriously, now what? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. Yes, it is a number one download, Julie. Nope. And a number one download? It's a, it's a number one bestseller. There's a digital download. I don't really care anymore, <laughs> as you can tell. Uh, just go out there and rate review it if you've already purchased it. <laughs> I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this is BizQuick, helping small businesses across North America.